I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Every fortnight we bring you a mixture of features and discussions exploring every aspect of gardening. Garden design, ideas for containers and small spaces, plant care and control of pests and diseases. Plus expert gardening advice throughout the year. I'm Tony Dickerson, one of the RHS's team of horticultural advisors based here at RHS Garden Whistley in Surrey. Coming up in this edition, seasonal displays and walking tours to prove that winter in the garden doesn't have to be bleak. RHS advisors answer your gardening questions. Plus, as always, latest news on RHS garden activities and events. But first, let's hear about some of the jobs you can be tackling in the next few weeks. Hi there, my name's Bob Beckerson and I'm here at RHS Wisley as the team leader for Formal Ornamental. It's quite often uh, the misconception that December's a fairly quiet time in the garden it's certainly not the case here at Wisley and does not need to be for you guys at home either. Obviously, in all areas of the garden, we're really getting into that big garden tidy season. We've had first frosts here. When I left here on Friday, everything was still looking great. Salvias were still in flower. It came on Monday and everything's flopped and fallen, so... It's time for action, really. At the Bose Lion Rose Garden, we've already made a good start in uh, cutting back a lot of the herbaceous perennials. And now we're going to be looking to lift a lot of those, divide them, look for opportunities to then replant these divisions in other areas of the garden. A lot of tidying there, cutting back, lifting, dividing. Whilst we're in those areas also, uh, we're clearing the leaves out, which obviously is a by-product We'll go into our leaf collection area where um, we produce leaf mould, which we'll be looking to get back into the soil in the future. Um, great for soil structure, encouraging earthworms, etc. Other things that we're still actively doing in December now, uh, hardwood cuttings. So again, your roses. If there's a particular rose you like, take your hardwood cutting. Other shrubs, abelias, Deutzia, viburnum uh, and it also extends to climbers so another tip for december is it's a great time to plant shrubs or trees um, not only is the season dormant but usually with the wetter season that we're likely to experience this is great for root establishment so here at wisley on the conifer lawn we're very lucky to have the opportunity to plant two new conifers 
both would look absolutely wonderful throughout the year, which includes winter. So if you're struggling for ideas for December and you want something else to look at in the garden, I can certainly recommend a conifer. Remember, you can find more information about plants and all aspects of gardening techniques on the advice pages of the RHS website. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash advice. I'm Tony Dickerson, and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. As regular podcast listeners will know, every month on the RHS Gardening Podcast, members of our gardening advice team answer some of the questions they've received recently. As a member of the RHS, you can get advice on any gardening problem for free from our expert team by phone, post or email, or in person at any of the RHS flower shows. Plant identifications, problematic pests and design difficulties. We'll put you in touch with experts to help you out. So let's join my colleagues as they tackle some of this month's problems. I'm Lee Hunt. I'm the Principal Horticultural Advisor here at RHS Garden Wisley. I'm Guy Barter. I work with the uh, RHS Gardening Advice and I'm based in Surrey at Wisley. And I'm Helen Bostock. I'm Senior Horticultural Advisor at the RHS and also known for being a bit of a wildlife expert. Neil Baines has emailed in, my pear tree failed to produce any flowers or fruit this year. What might be the problem? There are strange orange blisters on some of the leaves, but the tree had some of these uh, last year and still produced fruit. What could be going on here? Well, let's get rid of the orange blisters in the first case. Um, You'll be pleased to know these are usually the manifestation of pear rust, a fungus disease that also infects junipers. And the junipers um, produce a nasty, fleshy kind of um, swollen stem from which the spores drift on the breeze and infect pear trees. The pear trees get these remarkable orange blisters that look like there's some kind of insect living underneath the leaf and the spores from the orange blisters go and infect juniper trees. So this is typical of fungal rust diseases. They have two hosts. So somewhere in your neighbourhood is an infected juniper. probably be in someone else's garden so therefore it's against the law for you to go and hunt it down and destroy it so you're going to have to put up with the pear rust happily all the evidence is that the pear rust doesn't reduce the the growth or the yield of the tree in any significant way now um, you're quite right with no flowers there'll be no fruit so the question is why are there no flowers and sometimes flowers are intermittent you get an on year when there's loads of flowers and then an off year when there's not many flowers so if that's happening on the on year when the tree is covered in flowers prune out some of the flowering stems and then the other thing that can happen is that to produce flowers a tree has got to have lots of resources it's like having children having children reduce you to instant poverty unless you've got lots of money so if a tree is growing well it'll produce flowers and if it's not growing well then it won't produce flowers so you may need to boost the growth by feeding and removing competing vegetation and the other thing um, that immediately comes to mind is uh is pruning uh, you you do have to be careful with the pruning because it's quite easy if you've got a big pear tree and you try and keep it within within bounds and you uh, prune too much it'll respond with vegetative growth because plants have a balance between roots and shoots and you upset one bit and it um, upsets the, the whole tree as it tries to restore the balance by growing more so those are a few ideas that um, immediately come to mind i wonder tony if you've had any thoughts on this well, probably more with apples, but one of the problems we've had, if it is a problem, two relatively good springs, certainly in the, the south, the southeast, 
and often fruit trees set very large crops, particularly this year. And if a tree is overburdened, if it's stressed by those very large crops, then you might actually find the following year it's very reluctant to flower and therefore fruit, something we call biennial bearing. And something that home gardeners are very, very reluctant to do is actually thin fruit. So sometime in June, you need to look at a tree. And if you're very impressed with the the crop on it, then you really need to get out there and thin those fruit so that the tree can put its energies into fewer fruit, but bigger fruit. So we've got a question from Mr. Smith. I've been given a 10-year-old olive tree in a pot. It's looking a bit sad and the soil seems very hard. First of all, he wants to know what he should do with it and whether he can plant it out into his garden. So anyone, an olive grower, I have to say, I've got a very, very cold garden myself. So, um, I, I must admit, uh, living in the West Midlands, uh, a very cold or potentially cold area, uh, I was always amazed at how hardy olives generally prove to be. But of course, olives come from a wide area of the Mediterranean and uh, something perhaps from the... Uh, coast of uh, Tunisia or whatever may not have the hardiness of something from high up in the mountains of uh, central Italy so that may be something to do with it but certainly uh, well worth considering putting them outside but well-drained sunny spot um, and uh, make a very attractive uh, even architectural garden plant you can clip it or uh, toperize it as you like. Um, The other alternative, of course, is potting it up. And this is the way I think that most people would uh, deal with them. And um, certainly every couple of years, they do need repotting. John Innes number three with perhaps 20, 25% added grit to to open it all up. And um, then after that, it should be plain sailing. Um, Even as quite a, a drought tolerant plant in a pot, though, it won't have the root system extending far and wide. So they do need watering. And if you water and feed them during the, the summer months, you'll get a lot of growth and a, a very good garden tree. I guess in the winter, of course, the the thing we've got to watch for, um, particularly with container grown olives, is the fact that the roots are a little bit exposed. They don't have the, the nice cosy buffering that the soil can afford those that are in the ground. So I think there's the advantage of being able to maybe shift it up towards perhaps a nice sheltered area like a house wall but a little tip would be just to get some bubble wrap perhaps you've got some you know spare from some packaging just wrap that around the sides of the pot that will help protect those those roots um, you don't need to be over watering in the winter they really although they keep the foliage they they really don't need that much water so keep it a bit on the drier side and then if we do get some really sharp cold spells in winter, um, nice double layer of horticultural fleece, that, that white lightweight material that you can get from a garden centre. Just wrap, wrap that over the top of the plant and it should keep it, keep it toasty for the winter. I think it's just worth adding as well for Tony's repotting. Um, obviously, they've got the plant now, but the time to do the repotting is late April and May. And that's when the roots will get out into that new layer of compost. So take the real advantage of it. Right, we have a letter here from Mr Green, who lives in London, uh, actually have, has a new garden, but no idea what's in it, no gardening relatives to call upon. Um, he'd like to know what's the best way of working out what's there. And also, he's uh, got there with his new house a large lawn, um, not particularly in good condition. The grass is currently three inches long, um, wants to know what to do with it uh, and whether it should be cut now. So, uh, 
Guy, a new garden. Well, obviously, we would say join the Royal Horticultural Society and send samples or pictures of the flowers. It's flowers that are really needed to identify plants, and um, our expert botanists can sort this out for you. If I haven't persuaded you, um, consider posting pictures on our Twitter feed, um, the underscore RHS, and uh, other gardening experts and gardening public will no doubt be chipping and uh, give you an idea of, of what they are. Now, as to the lawn, um, it's always worth cutting a grass and seeing what happens with what you've got, because it's surprising how well a lawn will come out. I'm not saying it'll be bowling green, but it'll be a perfectly serviceable lawn. So cut it whenever you need to, whenever you can get on the soil over the winter, and don't take off more than a third of the time. Let it recover a bit between mowings, and eventually you'll get it down to about an inch, that's 25 millimetres, and uh, then you can see how it comes on in the spring. With luck, um, it'll be it'll be it'll meet your requirements. If it doesn't, then um, in April or in September, you'll have to bite the bullet and um, reseed or re-turf. But I would suggest that you see what you've got first. Um, no doubt you've got many other things to be going on with in a, a new garden. One of the things I think is always worthwhile is don't get sort of doing too much in a new garden as well because there's a great temptation to start sort of stripping things out and planting things but actually there can be quite a lot of bulbs and other plants that um, will come into their own but that'll happen next spring into summer so um, it's worth actually waiting for a season before making major changes just to see what's actually there um, having said that, obviously sometimes you come in and there's obvious things that do need doing. So there might be big bare bits or where you can see the neighbours. So those might be areas where you do think are oh, getting in a tree or a big shrub in those areas just to provide some um, really functional purpose from that plant to do those jobs can be worthwhile in the first season. Um, and E. Chater has uh, contacted us to ask... Um, they have a 13-year-old apple tree that they want rid of and they wish to know what's the right time of year to fell this tree and how to get rid of the roots and the stump. And then they say, can we plant a new one in the same place straight away? They don't say whether they mean a new apple or a new tree. Um, so I guess we'll have to cover both um, both options here. What do you think, Tony? Well, a 13-year-old apple tree isn't very old. I would have thought at that age it should be cropping... Uh, very well indeed but perhaps it's a variety with canker problems or, or whatever but um cutting down a tree well good activity for the winter months when there's other jobs that you cannot really be getting on with um the secret with cutting down a tree is um if you're going to do it yourself um using chainsaws or whatever you really need some training uh, you may want to get in professionals to do it but the big mistake that home gardeners normally make with cutting down trees is they cut them near ground level. They then try to dig out the roots and the stump and discover it's a very difficult task to actually lift those. So the secret is you cut the trunk at a good height, six feet, round about a couple of metres or so, so that you can then dig round the roots, sever the main ones. You can then lever the stump out of the ground and that makes it a manageable task. Alternatively, again, if you employ professionals, they'll use stump grinders. And generally with apple stumps, they can be ground out. You won't get a problem with 
uh, too many or too many problems with suckering but if it was something like a cherry or plum or whatever I'd want to kill the stump first with a stump killer and again professionals will have products that they can hammer into the stump and uh, leave for a number of weeks to actually kill the roots entirely so that you don't get this very irritating annoying problem of suckers coming up all over the garden. If the stump has been removed then there is obviously some soil to plant into so potentially you can put a tree back there it's not necessarily wise to replace an apple with an apple because we know there can be replant problems and that's where the the tree just fails to establish and do well Um, so it's often wise trying to choose something different from an apple tree so they haven't unfortunately said whether they do want to replace like with like but if you can then put that apple tree somewhere else just a bit away you know a good sort of again couple of meters away at the least uh in that space really looking for a non-apple relative so that's trying to avoid all those things like malus and prunus and uh, so we're talking cherries crab apples and um, from that group as well and then things like sorbus as well because they're unfortunately they're all related they're all rose family relatives there's just one other thing um if you want a bit of fun um you can change trees and it's called top working and you can saw off branches and with the aid of a chisel and a bit of um, grafting wax that's sold in good garden centres and scrounging bits of timber which are called cyan wood that are about pencil thick, um, you can insert those into the sawn off branches and you can change the nature of your apple tree. Uh, there's lots of guides online about how to do it and um, it's actually much easier than you might think. So um, there's another option for the adventurous gardener. The RHS Advice Team. As well as free gardening advice, RHS members also get free entry to all four RHS gardens, the opportunity to buy discounted and priority tickets to RHS events, such as the RHS flower shows, tickets for the general public went on sale on December the 1st, so remember to buy yours soon, as they go fast. But there's plenty to see and do in our RHS gardens before the show season begins. Here's some of the upcoming events that are available to both members and non-members alike in the coming weeks. Get into the festive spirit with self-guided stroll around RHS Garden Rosemall's new Holly Trail, which helps visitors explore the garden's enormous collection of more than 160 types of holly. Pick up a leaflet at the garden entrance or download it from the RHS website. Why not give your little ones a treat to remember with gingerbread and Santa at the RHS Garden Wisley on Saturdays the 12th and 19th of December. There are multiple one-hour sessions throughout the day, 30 minutes decorating gingerbread and 30 minutes storytelling with Santa. Children are provided with all the ingredients and equipment. Tickets cost £5, but must be booked in advance. Visit the RHS Shop and Plant Centre at Harlow Carl on the 12th and 13th of December to meet the makers. Enjoy festive try-before-you-buy samples from well-known local food and drink suppliers and find Christmas gift inspiration. Blow away the cobwebs on a guided tour of RHS Garden Hyde Hall's Woodlands on the 22nd and 29th of December. Tours start at 11am. Free with normal garden admission, or you can enjoy a hearty bowl of soup and cheese scone afterwards for just £4. Please remember to dress appropriately as walks last around an hour. Details, as always, on the RHS website. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash gardenswatson. On the website, you can also find out more about the benefits of becoming a member of the RHS. Just go to rhs.org.uk forward slash join. At this time of year, one of the most popular activities for garden lovers are winter walks. All our RHS gardens and many of our partner gardens have special designed winter walks. 
These showcase plants with fabulous winter interest, colour, architectural shape and delicious scent. A welcome treat for the senses this time of year, often thought of as bleak. But if you visit the right gardens, you'll discover winter in the garden can be anything but. My name is Verity and I'm team leader for the Herbaceous Ornamental Team at RHS Garden Wisley. And today I'm talking a little bit about the winter walk on Seven Acres. We're currently looking at the main bed uh, of the winter walk. It houses lots of different winter interest uh, shrubs. Lots of hamamelis in this bed. 90 uh, plants, three different cultivars. Most of these ones are fairly uh, common. There's Pallida, Robert and Rubin. So that's a red, a yellow and an orange. And hamamelis is what you might know as witch hazel. They provide lovely flowers in the, in the winter. We've planted them in drifts so that they have instant impact. Also in this bed, there's lots of prunus cerula, which have lovely mahogany coloured bark. And we also have used lots of different conifers as well to make it more interesting. One of my favourites is AB's Coriana Icebreaker, which actually looks like it's been sprayed with fake snow. However, it's actually just the underside of the needles are white and they're curled over on the top. We also have rubus in this bed, which is a, a type of ornamental bramble, very prickly, but has lovely white bark as well, so ornamental in the winter. Also on this bed, we have Acer Viper Mindavi, which is one of the snake bark maples. Really nice green and white striations on the bark and stunning once it's dropped its leaves for wind interest. We've now continued down the path, down to our winter stem bed. So no winter garden would be complete without the reliable structure and colour provided by Cornus, Dogwood and Salix, which is Willow. Here at Wisley, we have a whole bed dedicated to showing off winter stem colour. Some of my favourites include Cornus Cerasea Buds Yellow, Cornus Cerasea Cardinal, Cornus Sanguinea Magic Flame, which actually looks like a flame, starts off red and goes all the way up through orange and yellow and Salix Alba Varvitalina Yelverton, which is a really stunning orange colour, which in one bed we have planted right next to a multi-stemmed birch, and the white and orange are a fantastic combination. So we're continuing along the path now. You might be able to hear chainsaws in the background. That's the Arb team in the wild garden doing some pruning. We're just coming up to Linissera Crosspropusii, which has a fantastic fragrance at the moment. It carries on the wind nicely so you can smell it before you actually reach it. There's also Viburnum Crossbodden and Tents Charles Lamont, which has lovely pinky white small flowers, and these also produce a lovely sweet fragrance. It's quite delicate, so to make sure visitors can smell it nicely, we plant it next to the path to make it easily accessible. Well, this is the main winter walk for Wisley, but there is also the Beauty of Bark Trail, which is on at Wisley at the moment as well. Uh, you can pick up a leaflet at front of house, and that details lots of the lovely trees for their, their stunning bark as you walk around Wisley. So we've just arrived um, at the area that we call Berry Walk. It's uh, number eight if you pick up the winter walk leaflet. Um, We've got Calicarpa bodnerii imperial pearl, which has absolutely stunning purple berries. And they're actually on bare stems. It's dropped its leaves already, so you can really see the purple berries. And then behind that, we have Skimmia japonica vicii, which is an evergreen skimmia. Um, and that has lovely bright red berries. And the combination of the two is really nice. They look like little jewels or little beads. And after rain or dew, they look really fantastic. 
So all of the walks we have on at Wisley at the moment are really good. I'd really encourage you to come down and see them for yourselves. There's leaflet trails available for all of them, so there's no chance of getting lost. And just come and have a look, appreciate the scents and smells and colour that this time of year has to offer. You can find more details about RHS Gardens, their winter displays and opening hours on the RHS website. Here you can also find links to our partner gardens all around the UK. So that's all we have time for in this edition. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Tony Dickerson and all the RHS Gardening Podcast team, goodbye. Walking down the path in my garden, and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit Cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.